Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful in oil country and around the world. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Well, that picked me up. You know, there's bad COVID news here in Alberta. We wanna, don't have to get into that. But um, that was good news tonight. Another Oilers victory over the Canucks. Four mm-hmm. to one. The Oilers had 11 grade A chances to five for the Canucks. Mm-hmm. Canucks got off to early one nothing lead. The game was really never that. I, n- I never felt that nervous about that game. The Canucks are really undermanned right now. And, and they, it really feels that way that the Oilers can kind of turn it on and turn it off against them, even if the Canucks are, are hustling hard out there. Your take? Well, they're, they're down at least six NHL forwards, right? And uh, Patterson, uh, bigly, you know, they miss Pat yeah. Patterson. And uh, Vertanen, who's kind of top six, bottom six, and then most of their bottom six, we talked about this last night with uh, Roussel and uh, Mott, Sutter, and... Uh, Russell. Oh, yeah, you said Russell. Yeah, yeah, the guy. Uh, um, yeah. I don't know. Someone. Yeah, oh, Beagle. Beagle. So, I mean, legit, like, proven NHL veteran players. And in place of those veteran players, you see, you know, Tyler Grayovac and uh, Zach McEwen and mm-hmm. Cole Lind, you know, playing. And, uh, I mean, I'm sure these fellows are, you know, maybe B prospects or or C uh, replacement level players as opposed to being uh, uh, proven NHLers. Let's put it that way. So their lack of depth in that. And the, the scouting report was that Vancouver would play well for the first half of the game and then start to fade. And I think that's exactly what we saw on both nights. Fair enough. Bruce, this is our two good things, two bad things and two numbers podcast. Let's start out with, we'll go, we'll go two good things each. Uh, what is your first good thing? Yeah, that's that's a win. So why mess? Uh, why mess with tradition? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, <clears throat> the goal scored by uh, young old man Bouchard, uh, who scored uh, late in the second period with the score um, uh, two to one, and uh, just for the second game in the row, the Oilers connected in the final minute of the second period to stretch their lead to two goals. And it, both nights, it was a real killer goal for the Canucks. You could see them sag. Uh, but on this one, what I'm going to, uh, what I really liked about it was how he scored. Uh, Evan Bouchard, now the proud owner of three career NHL goals, looked like an absolute sniper to me on that goal. I loved how he played that. He he got the pass across he, and he faked the slap shot and it, there was a guy in the lane, and he doesn't mind guys in the lane, as he showed immediately thereafter, but he sort of did a sidestep to the, to, towards the middle, and he found himself sort of right in between the circles, but, you know, further out. But there was just a line of players from both teams that were, that were crowding the front of the net. Even Darnell Nurse, the guy who'd fed him the past, Bouchard held it so long, was so patient with it, that Nurse actually had time to go all the way to the front of the net and participate in the screening of the goalie. Ryan McLeod was also there, at least two Canucks. And there was a great end zone camera view of the of the shooting lane. And basically, you couldn't see Demko, Thatcher Demko, the goalie at all. <laughs> you could just see all these guys in front of him and this uh, 
uh, on this bit of net in the corner. And, you know, Bouchard, he didn't so much shoot that puck as he just hard passed it to a spot. He did not rifle it. He was not in shooting position. He didn't lean into it. In fact, he kind of opened his body up. But he sifted it, what I call sifting it, through the traffic uh, and just, a, a, you know, laser accuracy. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of net showing where there was, actually wasn't a body in the way. And he hit it. And I think the puck was probably 70 to 80% en route to the net before Demko ever saw it. And he just couldn't react to it. And it was, it was uh, you know, it wasn't a, quite a change up. It wasn't, certainly wasn't the fastball. Let's call it a slider. Because he kind of slid off the the guy at the point and and, and moved into the middle and just such uh, such composure and such you know this this is what I do this is this is me old man Bouchard playing first game in over two months uh, great that he got in the lineup and uh, great that he was able to find uh, some success he, you know his game had some hiccups uh, defensively and he and his also um, Rested, well-rested partner, William Lagason, who hadn't played for a month. Uh, they got put in as the third pairing tonight, and uh, they survived, and they, they got that goal. Second power play unit, a very, very rare goal by the second power play unit. The Oilers have scored, second unit has scored now maybe, I'll have to look it up again, maybe 10 goals in the last three seasons combined that the second unit has scored. The first unit does it all. Was that a power play goal that Bouchard? It was. It was yeah, there was. A, remember, there was oh, three penalties in a, in a row, and it was a four on three that Leon scored a second goal on, and so the first Vancouver guy got out of the box, but there was still an overlap at the end of the oh. other penalty. So the Oiler got out first. Uh, whoever it was that took the first penalty for Edmonton, which was uh, um, Lagason. And Miller didn't get out until uh, 30 seconds. So they had like a 30-second power play. And they never even put the first unit out there. They just went with the guys who were on the ice, and they rewarded Coach with a goal. All right, I'm just and, changing uh, the coding right now because I had that coded as an even oh, strength okay. goal. Uh, yeah, I missed that then too, sorry. No yeah, problem. It, was, it was a late, late power play goal. Two seconds left in the man advantage. But... Uh, it was, uh, okay. remember that you were saying of as a slider? What What about, maybe it was a bit of a la lob. Remember that guy, what was his name? Ephus, Dave? The Ephus pitch? <laughs> was he, his name Dave Lalosh or something? He threw the oh, la yeah. lob ball. Uh, <laughs> kind of lofted it through this. Anyway. Uh, yeah, Bouchard, I thought, really made a couple nice passes, Bruce. There was, he, he made an absolutely gorgeous feed to Kyler Yamamoto in the first period on his backhand on a rush. He has mm-hmm. such amazing composure, which we saw both on that shot. I mean, how many people have the just the calm to make that play? Very few. He's he is an amazing uh, offensive hockey player, I think. And he uh, then his his setup of Yamamoto was also absolutely first rate. The presence of mind to put it back to Yamamoto and wide open net, and Yamamoto hit the defenseman. Um, so uh, he also he made a great, fantastic stretch pass to Connor McDavid. Bouchard did in the second period, that uh, where Yessa Pugliarvi got off a shot that was deflected into the stands. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I just I like the player a lot. He I didn't see him make a lot of major defensive mistakes except for right at the end there, we're in garbage time, right. where he uh, he and Lagasse super long shift allowed a dangerous yeah. dangerous shot off the post, but good game for him. 
Bruce, my uh, good thing, I'm going to, you know, I, I was just remarking on this before we got on the air because we always work out our good things and bad, th <coughs> bad things ahead of time is we often overlook Connor McDavid. He, like, there was a, when, what was that game, recent game, where he just made that absolutely incredible goal where he whipped in there and then the shot at the end of it, it was kind of went across the, went across the front of the net, his shot and went, what top corner, you know, from about 20 feet out. It was just an amazing Calgary. shot. Calgary. Yeah, I don't think Calgary's best defenseman. And then he burned Jacob Marks from Calgary's hot goalie with a wicked kind of golf shot that went right in yeah. the top corner. Yeah. I'm not sure we mentioned it in the podcast. <laughs> and just like if any other player had made that play, it would have uh -huh. been our, you know, but it's, we, we, we underrate, we underrate McDavid in our good things often because we're, you could pick him as a good thing almost every night. But tonight I do want to pick him. And dry saddle is a good thing. And I've said before, these are the good old days, Bruce. They really are. This is this is this is it. This is this is the great time for Oilers fans, and hopefully, it continues for uh, a number more years. The Oilers, I I do think, are a bona fide Stanley Cup contender based on McDavid and Drysaddle's play, and the fact that the rest of the team is is rounding into shape. And um, he he was McDavid kind of sleepwalked a little bit, and Drysaddle as well through the first part of the game. But J.T. Miller made the mistake of waking the dragon uh, by uh, cross-checking McDavid there. And McDavid just came back at him. I, I'm sure every Oilers fan gave him a, as much as his, his um, two passes to Drysaddle were fantastic. Oilers fans were giving him a standing ovation at home for going back at J.T. Miller with a hit, a an elbow, and a cross-check all in one sequence, which the referees allowed because... Um, I guess they, they feel turnabout is fair play in the NHL. Um, it was, uh, but his his two feeds, uh, you know, the first one where he picks off, he kind of reads the play a little bit, picks off that JT Miller pass and sets up dry saddle and, and fantastic finish. And then on the power play again, uh, beautiful, just just puts it right on the money for dry saddle to tee it up and he hammers it in the net. This is this is Gretzky to Curry, uh, McDavid to dry saddle. And um, can't get enough of it, and I don't think any I don't think NHL fans can get enough of it. Everyone in the league, I think, is is uh, wanting to see this combination play. Pretty lethal. I mean, those two shots that Leon put home. I mean, all the credit in the world goes to Connor McDavid, but if he's passing that puck off to pretty much any other forward on the Oilers, that puck's not going to go in the net. It's true. And Leon absolutely buried both of those rockets, and he also came close to burying one from a bad angle in the third period that forced a really good save off also off a of McDavid feed. That was his one real bid for the hat trick as I think both Tippett and the players themselves called off the dogs in a little bit. I, I don't think there's too many people in that room that want to humiliate the Canucks, even as there are moments within the game that, you know, they're, I mean, Adam Larson tonight, he kind of snapped a little bit there after he got cross-checked four times in a row. And uh, he, he responded by taking a penalty, and then he came out of the box and took another one, and uh, I think he delivered the message. But, uh, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think anybody wants to beat Vancouver 9-1. to one. They just, you know, they want to play the game. They want to win the game. They want to, you know, they want to work on some stuff. And, uh, and clearly they want to get players in the lineup, like we speculated last night, that uh, 
they might uh, switch around the lineup. And sure enough, three different guys were in there tonight, uh, not counting the obvious goalie change. But Flagson, uh, and Bouchard, Tourists all got their first game in, in quite a little while. So, you know, that's, that's uh, I think, important. And especially if they do things to help win, <clears throat> you know, and, and contribute to the cause. So, Well, for sure. Was, yeah. How, I mean, how likely is it, Bruce, that a right shot defenseman gets injured in the playoffs? It's probably if if they make it if, for every round they play, it's probably about twenty five percent. So, yeah, you want to have Bouchard playing some games. He should play some more games. And I'm glad to see that the coach played him as much as he did, more than twenty minutes this game. Had him on the power play, shorthanded in the third period. Um, had him on a few shifts with Darnell Nurse. What's your second good thing, Bruce? Yeah, I'm going to go with the with the uh, fourth and last Edmonton goal since we talked about the other three, and this was the nail in the coffin goal with uh, five or six minutes to play in the third period, and it was another careless play by Vancouver's J.T. Miller who had a night to forget with uh, two giveaways leading to Edmonton goals, and in the penalty box for a third Edmonton goal. That's uh, you could see he's a pretty frustrated guy, but on this particular play, he kind of he he threw a pass into the middle to the point man. It was really it was a 50-50 or 60-40 puck, even that the guy in the point would get it. But Alex Chason recognized sort of the the looseness of the puck, and he made a real good play to stretch out his long six foot four reach and chip the puck. Out over the blue line where Josh Archibald was able to jump on it and lead the rush up ice. And Archibald looked like a, uh, looked like a, uh, uh, you know, not, I don't know if I call him, it looked like a scorer, but he, you know, he looked like he knew what he was doing. And he took the play in and he waited for Nurse, who jumped up fast on the other side, to turn it from what <clears throat> looked to be maybe a partial breakaway. And instead, Archibald waited for it to be the two on one. He delivered the uh, the perfect pass at the perfect moment, and then Nurse just buried a shot uh, stick side on Demko to make it 4-1. I thought all three players played that about as well as he could. Really nice goal. Nice to see Darnell Nurse get another one. The Norris Trophy Six. campaign continues, Bruce. He's got plus 30. You know, all these counting numbers really matter for these trophies. I don't care what anyone says. I think this is what people really look at if they haven't seen the players as their basic counting numbers, like... They're, you know, they're old NHL official plus minus and their, and their goals and their assists. So, mm-hmm. um, he's making his move. He's making his move. He might finish. He might, I'm just hoping he becomes a finalist. I think that would be fantastic. Uh, Bruce, my second good thing was the line of Nugent Hopkins, Cahoon and Yamamoto, which I doubted on which I wrote when they put that line together, I doubt it would have success because they hadn't had previous success and Yamamoto and Cahoon. Uh, well, I just thought it was a line that lacked a little size, and I honestly I still feel that way. And I think against in a, in a playoff series, you can't you can't play that line together. I don't believe. I think they would get um, buried, but they sure played well tonight. And credit where it's due, they 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 combined on about five fantastic passing plays. They're, they could all really pass the puck, and uh, you know, of course. I'm sure everyone's favorite was when Nuge wiped out that guy in the corner and uh, led to Yamamoto's great chance. 
I'm just going to segue right into my bad thing, and, and that's Yamamoto not finishing that chance. You were telling me before the podcast that he's only scored one goal in 21 games. He right. he His shooting percentage isn't bad this year. It's 12.1%. That's pretty good for a forward. That's okay for a forward. He's had uh, 44 grade-A shots, uh, according to our calculations. Usually, they score. you should score on about 25%, 26% of your grade-A shots. He only has eight goals on the 44, so he should have 11. That's lower. So his expected goals, according to us, is lower than, than what he should have. And that might speak to some yips uh, in front of the net. He certainly, he, he whatever, whatever uh, milkshake Evan Bouchard is drinking before the game to calm him down, he should share that with Kutter Yamamoto. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and maybe... Um, he'll have that kind of ultra composure um, that can lead to just finishing off some of those plays in front of the net. But it just could be bad luck as well. You know, it might not be. But I don't think Bruce, he's got a great shot. And and neither does Cahoon and neither does Nugent Hopkins. So it's not surprising that they create five really great opportunities and don't get a goal. Because none of those, not one of those guys is a sniper. They're, they're all great kind of complimentary passers on a line and against a non-physical team like Vancouver, they're going to have games like that. And they did. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Yamamoto, he's, he's really having trouble finishing. I mean, tonight a little bit of bad luck. It looked like he had an open net and he slammed a shot into the defenseman's skate. I think it was right in front of him. The goalie would have had no chance on that one. Um, but his shot, like honestly, what he needs to do this summer is is uh, buy a thousand tennis balls and wear out wear out the dryer in his basement or maybe his garage door by just firing, firing, firing like you hear some of these kids doing over and over again. And his shot is just, you know, it's not average; it's below average. And yeah. if he wants to be a top six scorer, he's got to at least get it up to average. You know, you don't have to be a plus at every single skill, but uh, when you're deficient in an area. Uh, especially when it should be an area of strength. I mean, he's, uh, you know, I mean, he's not going to be everything of a player, but he is going to be an offensive player who produces points, and some of those points better be goals, and he's going to get more goals if he has a little bit more, a little bit of composure, and I think right now he's pressing. But also it's, you know, I don't think his shot is that great, and, you know, NHL goalies are are able to fend him off, so he's... uh, He's got work. He's a work in progress. You know, the Oilers have a couple snipers too in the system. So, so all of these forwards who are competing, like Yamamoto, Cahoon, Puliyarvi, um, there's comp- there's serious competition on the way. Uh, there's Dylan Holloway coming up. There's mm-hmm. uh, and then there's two sniper type players, Raphael Lavoie and uh, Carter Savoy, uh, who just can both really, really fire that puck in a way that we haven't that we don't see from other order forward forwards not named Leon Dreisaitl. Do they have as good a shot as Dreisaitl? No, they do not. But they have they have fantastic shots for the for their level of play. So um there's not next year, but probably the year after that, both of those guys I could see certainly La, um Raphael Lavois be com- on the Oilers and competing for a, a second line or first line job. And maybe Savoy the next year. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's Yamamoto can make millions of dollars more 
by taking your suggestion and really taking it to heart and working on that. If he does not correct that shot issue, it can mean the difference in like 10, 20, 30 million dollars. So he's got a lot of incentive to uh, to work on it. And I, I suspect he will. Yeah, yeah, I don't mean it as an insult. I'm just saying that's part of his game that's still not up to code. And it's something that um, uh, that he'd do well to, you know, put a little extra, do what Leon did, fire, firing all those one-timers that uh, Leon took in practice to perfect the lethal weapon that he has today. That took a lot of work, but uh, Leon's making millions, you may have noticed. Yeah. <laughs> There's another young sniper I forgot about this Matej Blumel. The um, I think he's a Czech Looking player. Good, he yeah, can really fire that puck. Looking good. So yeah, it, they have some guys who are coming along. Who who's mm-hmm. that? That is their their. I think their their one NHL skill at this point. But it's a one that the Oilers need. What's your bad thing, Bruce? Yeah, I'm going to go with the other goal, which was the first goal of the game, which was scored at, what, the 20, 34 second mark of the first period. Yeah. What a way to start. I can't, can't I actually turned the, turned the TV on. I was bringing in the groceries and uh, turned the TV on, and they were just picking the puck out of the, out of the net, and I'm going, this is not a very promising start. Uh, but, you know, this is actually the fourth or fifth time this year that the Oilers have given up a goal on the first shot in the first minute where they've actually come back to win the game. Same thing happened in Vancouver earlier this year. Mike Smith let in a bad shot from the boards. In that game, they fell behind 3-0 and they came from behind to win it. And Koskinen, of course, he got a lot of grief for letting in the first shot a couple of times. This one wasn't really on Smith. It was just a whole bunch of crap that happened in a row. Uh, First of all, the linesman making contact with McDavid on the zone entry and kind of stopping him in his tracks. And then McDavid taking an extra split second to stare down the linesman while the rush developed the other way. But the key component, uh, and this has been a key component in a fair percentage of, of high-end chances against the Oilers this year, was uh, Tyson Berry's decision to pinch just outside the attacking blue line and getting burned in the attempt, leading to the odd man rush down the ice. And even at that, you know, I mean, the pass, Nurse tried to take out the pass. He slid across. The pass went right under his ankles. You know, his toes of his skates were on the ice, and there was this little arc, of course, where his ankles are. And the puck went through there, like, perfect. And Brock Besser, the sniper from Vancouver, actually mishandled the pass, but he kind of got a lucky bounce off of his somewhere in his body in it kicked into the net so a crummy way for the game to start but uh that was it for vancouver's uh, offense so uh, smith came back to stop the next 28 shots and got a little help from his friends including the red metal ones and uh he was uh i would say good not great tonight mike smith but uh he got the job done but that very opening sequence and it was that old bugaboo of the failed pinch by tyson barry which is uh uh, one of those things I'm sure they're probably keeping count in Oilers headquarters and thinking, are we really going to make that big contract offer to this guy? I mean, we see what he does at the good end, which is a lot, and let's give him credit for that. Uh, but uh, he also is a bit of an adventure on the defensive side of the puck, to say the least. I'm glad the Oilers signed him this year. He's been mm-hmm. a very good player. Oh, sure. But if I took truth serum, Bruce, mm-hmm. I might think that the Oilers might be a, a slightly ahead of the game if they had played Evan Bouchard all year. 
So, um, but I like, I, he's been great. Tyson Berry has been great there. If, if they were a little, a little bit ahead, that would be pretty good. But, um, but it wouldn't be much because I don't, you know, Barry has been fantastic in a, on the attack. You can count on one of these kind of mistakes, though, every game from him, it seems, or every, that might be, that's an overstatement, but every second game, and it's it's too all too common, and I, I'm not quite sure why he makes that play repeatedly, but he does, so. Of course, not all all the time. I mean, he makes that play a lot more often than it results in a goal against, because often somebody behind him makes the defensive play, or the goalie makes a stop, or the other team buggers up the pass, or something, you know. Yeah. But he, the odd man rushes, if you were just to count the odd man rushes, there would be a, a significant percentage of them that happened with Tyson Berry being caught up the ice, and that's, I mean, it's cost of doing business. I mean, he never was going to be Chris Pronger. They're not paying him like Chris Pronger, or, you know, they're, they're, they're paying him less than they're playing Chris Russell, you know, if you really want to pick apart Tyson Berry's contract. I think the people that don't like it are the people that are worried about what he might get on the next contract if Ken Holland does that oh-so-orders thing and decides to bring back the uh, the one-year free agent for a multi-year extension. Well, you never know, but I, I just have a feeling that's not going to happen from this, essentially from the scuttle, but you know, that Evan Bush on Oilers now, that Evan Bouchard's definitely on the team next year. Well, unless they're trading someone else, um, and I, they're bringing back Larson, I got a strong feeling, and I don't see them moving so Bear too. either. Bear's a cheaper player than Barry. And anyway. Uh, or a defensive man. Tonight, when Larson was in the box and Bear was in the press box and they had to throw out right defenseman on the penalty kill, it was a bit of an adventure. Still didn't use Barry, even then. Let's go to our numbers, Bruce. My number is 1996. 1996. Connor McDavid has the highest points per game of a player since 1996. Uh, Jeremy Jager, 1.82 points per game, 1996. It's a lot of years. It's a long time ago. And um, that was getting towards a, a dead puck era. I'm not quite sure if it was what the goals per game was in 1995, 96. It's, it's coming down. But I, I have a feeling if you did some, uh, I don't know if anyone's done this yet. Probably they have some score right. adjusted, score adjusted McDavid, how McDavid's uh, season stacks up towards compared to other players. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing there's probably like, a handful 12. of Gretzky seasons. Oh, 12? 12. Score adjusted all time? O- only Gretzky and Lemieux with uh, several seasons each more for Gretzky. You know, like eight probably for Gretzky and three for Lemieux or maybe seven and four. But it would be Gretzky way out, then Lemieux with a, with a handful and nobody else with any. <laughs> Pretty amazing, eh? Yeah. Uh... Even adjusted for era, those guys' those guys' numbers were uh, were off the charts. They're talking about the same thing tonight. Uh, players that scored 30 goals and 60 assists in their first 50 games. And Connor McDavid became the third player in NHL history to do it, according to uh, Sportsnet statisticians. And he was trailing only, uh, well, the only other two guys that had done it were Wayne Gretzky, who'd done it nine times. 
nine times he scored 30 goals and 60 assists in the first 50 games. And a lot of those times he did it like in the first 30 or 35 games, you know. <laughs> Just completely off the charts. And the other guy was Mario, and I think he'd done it, was it four or five times? There was a, there was a graphic. Anyway, the nine was sort of blowing me away. And, and McDavid, apparently the third one to ever do it. Well, we'll see what happens, Bruce. Like if Evan Bouchard steps up... Mm-hmm. And yes, a uh gets ever more effective, um, and they get a couple snipe young snipers on this team. You know, Gretzky was supported by yeah. Hall of Fame players, and yeah. and we don't know yet. I think Connor McDavid supported by at least one Hall of Fame player, but we don't know how many others might somehow possibly if you know maybe none of them will creep into that category there's a chance that a couple might the story is not yet is not yet known but um if he does if the overall talent level and scoring level of the Oilers improves that could be good that would be nice yeah well Gretzky it really was a perfect storm David that uh yeah Gretzky stepped into where the the Oilers went on that incredible streak of drafting Right mm-hmm. when he came into the league, where they drafted six Hall of Famers in three years, still the only six Hall of Famers to have been drafted by the Oilers in the 42-year history of the franchise, that they drafted all in the first three years. Now, of course, there's a couple of patents pending in the cases of the guys that are still active today, and I'm pretty sure McDavid will wind up in the hall one day, and I'm pretty sure Drysaddle will. But in terms of guys that they drafted over the years, they got all of those guys at once. But what that meant was they had this this incredible core of of speed, skill players that were learning with Gretzky, that had come from the WHA where they had a different playing style, that had a really super progressive coach in Glenn Sather, who, who uh, is a Hall of Famer in his own right, and deservedly so. He did exactly the right thing with that team. He allowed them to play to their strengths rather than doing the button-down thing, which Tippett is already on the button-down aspect of things, although, you know, he does give, obviously, McDavid and Drysaddle latitude to uh, go out and produce. But um, say there was sort of, make your mistakes, boys, have some fun, put the puck in the net as often as possible, and we'll work on that, uh, we'll work on the details when uh, we get closer to the playoffs. And, and Those Oilers never called great. off the dogs in a game no. either, like they just kept going for it. Uh, what's your number, Bruce? Yeah, I'm going to go with 2013, and this is the ice time credited to, to one Evan Bouchard tonight. In his first game since March 1st, he got to play 20 minutes and 13 seconds. Included on that was a minute 41 on the power play, more than any other Oiler, more than Barry, more than Nurse, by quite a lot. Like they, they never even got a minute. So when the Oilers did have power plays, they, they were given Barry... Um, Bouchard, the look. That's okay. Let's see what you can do with this there, buddy. And of course, he scored the nice power play goal. He also played two minutes, 25 seconds on the penalty kill, which I would not have guessed that that would happen. But when Adam Larson took two penalties and your third other right defenseman is Tyson Berry, well, you're going to throw him out there. And I thought he was okay in that scenario. It's, It's not really his bread and butter, but I like that he got so many different um types of minutes in this game that they didn't just have him out there and get the you know the 12 minutes and 
sit on the bench for the last 10 minutes of the game because the Oilers are protecting a lead. No, they gave him the sort of full game experience. And that's what they can afford to do now that they're playing these games that, you know, sure, you want to win every game, but you don't have to win these games now. They got the X on their on their uh, thing in the uh, in the standings. So they can afford to experiment a little bit and they can afford to experiment with latitude and, you know, give the guy a real shot. And they've been doing it with Ryan McLeod and now tonight they did it with Evan Bouchard. So uh, that's, uh, that's my number. And as an aside, I looked up what I said to you earlier. In the last three years, the Edmonton Oilers have scored 149 power play goals. Not the most in the league, but they have the best percentage in the league. They just don't get as many power plays as some teams. Uh, they have the best percentage in the league, 149 power play goals. And my <coughs> um, bellwether of whether it's the first unit or not is one player, Leon Dreisaitl, uh, because he hasn't missed a game uh, in all his years. So, I mean, McDavid's missed a game here and there. So he's not quite as good a match because, of course, there were some games where the first power play played and he wasn't available, whereas Drysaddle has been available for every game. Leon's been on the ice for 141 power play goals and on the bench for eight in the last three seasons. Like the second <laughs> unit, it doesn't play a lot. I mean, Leon's probably 80-plus 80, 80 percent of the power play time. I didn't have time to do that calculation. Last time I looked at it, it was like 81 percent of the power play time and 95% of the goals that Leon was out for. Like the second unit has been really unproductive and that's kind of pushed the, the deal that they just give the first unit more and more and sometimes the entire two minutes because they know the second unit's not going to do much. So Bouchard scoring on the second unit that got, you know, they got the whole, there was only a 30 second power play, but they actually got the whole thing and they scored on it. And that's a, that's a rare beast. It's only happened eight times in the last uh, three years, actually seven times, because there was one time where Leon broke his, lost his helmet during the power play, and he went to the bench, and the play carried on, and they scored without him with the rest of the first unit. So <laughs> the second unit's got eight minus one, seven goals in three years, but they got one tonight. Okay, so our next game is Thursday night. It is against the Vancouver Canucks. I can't wait to see them play. I'm just itching to see what's going on with the Canucks. So poor Canucks. Yeah, I do want to issue a, a, a correction for a mistake that I made in the last podcast. Uh, this is a funny one, David. Uh, and the announcers alluded to it tonight a little bit. And this is, I think, what happened the other night. Uh, I talked about how the Oilers had scored 11 empty net goals and hadn't given up one all year. And in fact, they gave up the first one of the year last night during the game that I was bragging about how they hadn't given any up all year. And it was literally the fourth of those four faceoffs that the Oilers lost. And the fourth one where they best scored like two seconds after the draw. And uh, they won They won the puck back and, uh, and Besser shot and scored. And the announcers, our home announcers, only do the home games in the building. They do the road games off a monitor. And the monitor didn't show anything to do with the goalie coming out. Although when I re-examined it later to see where I went wrong, I noticed that the sixth guy of the Vancouver that sort of cruised into the screen very late, just before the face-off, was this little tiny guy named Tyler Myers. I mean, it's no surprise, really, that I missed the guy. Like He barely noticed the guy, really. He's only 6'8". 
<laughs> anyway, uh, I messed up. So they have, in fact, given up one goal with the other team's net empty this year. And it happened in, in game number 50. But it actually didn't affect any of the guys who I was talking about, the individual guys that were on for, like, nurse 11-4 and none against. He wasn't on the ice for that one. He's been on the ice for all the empty net goals scored and and not for the one against. And the same for all the other guys. Like, this was sort of not their usual empty net defense team, and they got burned. But uh, they, uh, uh, they've really been exceptional at that this year. But I thought that mistake was glaring enough that I better issue a mea culpa in a following um, podcast. So that's this. All righty. Thanks, Bruce. <laughs> and thanks for talking tonight. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.